we've lost that sense of apprenticeship, working with our hands in skill, in aptitude, in ability. And so mm. knowledge is there and we can know things. So we know about God, but actually do we really know God in terms of relationship and is God actually Lord of our life rather than just somewhere in our thoughts? You're absolutely right. There is a difference between being somebody that knows and being somebody that lives. Welcome to the Huntley Leadership Podcast, helping leaders be a positive catalyst in the people they support, the organizations they serve, and the communities they live. This podcast will make you think, laugh, and grit your teeth with new determination to make your parish or business a place of transformation, passion, and purpose. If you're still breathing, you are powered for impact. Hello and welcome back to the Huntley Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Ron Huntley. It's great to be with you. You're going to want to grab a copy of your favorite beverage, get in a comfy chair, and listen to this podcast. You might even want to do it with some friends. It's going to be a great episode. I'm with my friend and mentor, Rich Robinson. Rich runs a couple organizations. One of them is called Movement Leaders Collective. Rich, welcome to the show. Great to be with you, Ron. Always a gift, always a joy. Looking forward to it. Explain to our listeners a little bit about this movement and, and what's at the heart of it. Yeah, a very, really good question. I think for us, it's the sense of trying to recover what Jesus originally intended for the church. So thousands of years ago, Jesus didn't start an organization, build a denomination, create a leaders network. He, he planted a movement and it's that movemental Christianity that we are part of today. And so we're seeking to remember the forgotten ways of movemental Christianity, but also reimagine what the future looks like. So that first century design of a Jesus-centered movement, but in a 21st century context, because often our experience has been that institutional Christianity or attractional Christianity is more the order of the day right now. So institutional Christianity can be badge and brand and politics and personality and attractional Christianity is the come to us, the sort of mega church platform, pastor weekend. And what we're looking for is that movemental Christianity, the go and make disciples, every place, every people group, every tribe and every tongue. So it's a an old thing that we're doing, but in a new way for the current climate that we find ourselves in. So Movement Leaders Collective, MLC, does three things. So around that big idea of movemental Christianity, unlocking the potential that is already placed within every disciple, every team, every church, every organization, and so one thing we do is we convene leaders. So we're trying to gather around virtual tables and physical tables on the ground and online leaders who are trying to do new things, pioneer new ways. So new forms and frontiers of church and really helping them to learn from each other, challenge each other, inspire each other. We, we say you're, you're still crazy, but you're not alone. It's a group of sort of pioneers and dreamers that are trying to really understand and embody church in the 21st century. So there's a relational network of leaders and their organizations. We have a publishing house. So seeking to put out media and resources. So toolkits, books, webinars, videos, just uh, really to help inspire the imagination of 
every and any everyday Christian, but also to give some roadmaps and some elements that help them to be inspired, but also have a sense of journey towards what's possible. And then finally, we have what we call a, a, an ecosystem, training ecosystem. So our world is platforms. So I need to learn something. I'm going to go on Google. I need to buy something. I'm going to go on Amazon. So we've got what we call the MX platform, where the leaders and the organizations that we work with and have the privilege to serve, as many of them as possible are in one place. So if you think, I want to learn about discipleship, evangelism, mission, missional communities, microchurches, whatever, I can go to the mxplatform.com and I can find not movement leaders collective as the hero and the one offer, the one size fits all, but I can find lots of different organizations who are pioneering and then offering training to leaders. So we've got a training arm, training and resourcing. We've got a publishing arm and we've got a relational network arm, all for the emphasis of really helping key leaders, key organizations release their movement potential and in their journey, help others to come on the journey as well. Is that all? <laughs> that's all. That's and that, that's awesome. by Wednesday. And then and Thursday, Friday, we do other things. <laughs> Rich, that is so cool. That is so cool. And it's so comprehensive. I'm, I'd met you uh, years ago when we were in, we were at a conference in Florida, actually. I think we we're the yep. only Catholics there. Um, yep. And uh, we went to your session and we'd already been using APEST as a tool yes. for for helping people understand their ministry charisms and how they're hardwired. It's just so helpful. And, and then I watched you present. Uh, you had a, somebody else you were up there presenting with it. And I wasn't going to go to the session because I'd already, I was already using your stuff. And I think, you know, I already get this stuff. But then I went to your session. I was like, this is awesome. I couldn't get away from it. It's like, I didn't want, it's like, I wanted to binge watch like Netflix. It was like, this is so compelling. And you're so compelling. And the way you link these different tools to movement is such an interesting thing because, you know, in our context as Catholics, oftentimes, you know, the goal seems to be, let's go to church. Like, how can we get people to come back to church as if that's the end goal? And yep. it's like, that's not the end goal. And that's not even our theology. That's, you know, it's yep. our theology is what exactly what you're saying. It's this movement of, it's this Jesus movement. But for some reason, it's a sedentary kind of thinking sometimes around, well, we just got to get bums in seats. Yes. Oh, definitely, Ron. And, and for us, we we would say absolutely you need some gathered expression of church and ecclesia. It's not a blow up the building and stop doing the weekend and kind of overswing to just a diffuse and dispersed group. You need yeah. temple and household. You need gathered mm. and scattered. So it's a continuum of both. But the problem is we make them compartments and we pick one. So mm. we emphasize one and underemphasize the other. So every movement, every organization we work with would have some gathered expression. But if you think about Sunday morning for 90 minutes, it's less than 1% of your week. Mm. So we're putting 70, 80% of our money, time and efforts into less than 1%. So is it vital to gather? Yes. Should we come around the word and worship? Yes. But really that should be a commissioning time for the other 99 point something percent of the week, mm -hmm. not the mountaintop and the focal point and 
the other 99.5% of the week is left left to chance and left to culture and left to circumstance. So for us, what we're saying is it has to be a both end. We want disciples that are gathering, that are engaged in worship and word and community and fellowship. But we also want disciples that are scattered. So they are good news. They're bringing good news and being good news in their neighborhoods. And you bring up a pastoral and, and the fivefold is one of the six elements of movemental Christianity that we would highlight with the organizations we lead. So APEST is one, which is really activating every agent in the system. Everyone gets to play and everyone has the genius of Jesus within them. It's not just the ordained or the few. Everyone has the dynamism of Jesus within them. So the fivefold helps us to understand our strengths and our weaknesses, how we can become more Christ-like as disciples. So fivefold APEST is one of the six elements. So we can double click there to think about how we see discipleship, leadership, church, community differently. But there's also another five. So Jesus is Lord. How do we have Jesus as the, the foundation and framework of all that we are and all that we do? Discipleship, disciple making is another one. So how do we create pathways and processes to make disciples who make disciples who make disciples? Missional, incarnational impulse. So every Jesus movement throughout history has had the impulse to go out into new frontiers towards those that don't know Jesus, but also has the courage to stay. So it's a contextualized expression of good news. It's not go out and then drag them back. Like you're saying, the aim is to go out and then attract them back. It's actually out and in and in culture and in context. And then the other two would be organic systems. So simple, scalable and sustainable forms of church, not brittle, formulaic, one size fits all, top down, sector driven, and then liminality communitas. A couple of tricky words. One is made up and one is a sociological term. So forgive me. Um, Liminality is the conditions of risk, exile. So my kids, three three kids, 120 kids in each of their school years, and there's two, three Christians at most. So you're talking out of 360 kids, eight, 10, 12 at most. So that's a liminal space. That's a space of exile where you're on the margins, not at the center. And communitas is the camaraderie that comes as we come together around a challenge, a risk, an adventure. And so what we would say is the church is not always a risking community. It's actually often quite safe and sedentary. It's not often an organic system that has generational growth and self-replicating growth. It's often steady, institutional, organized. It's not often getting every member and every agent activated in the system with APEST. It's a small number doing a lot of the work. Mm -hmm. It's often gathered and attractional come to us rather than out and contextual. And often discipleship is a program led by an expert that you graduate rather than a whole life 24 seven apprenticeship process. And sadly, Jesus is Lord. It's often preference, consumerism, politics, personality is Lord in the middle of, of what we do. So all of these six elements of movemental Christianity that we see in the movements throughout history, mm. they're already there. We've got the opportunity to boost and release potential, but mm. often we're also doing things unconsciously often that is blocking that potential. So think of a car, you can press the accelerator and speed up, 
Yeah. But if you're trying to go forward with your foot on the brake, however, <laughs> however much you push the accelerator. So sometimes we've got to lift the brake that mm. gives us momentum rather than just press the accelerator. Mm. Man, there's so much there. There's so much there. When I think, you know, you talked about disciples are, are gathered and scattered and it's not one or the other it's one and the other and in yep. our context and i'd spoken to sherry waddell not that long ago you know people can go to church and not be disciples yes and that's the tough part because i think disciples do want to be scattered and gathered and and i think when you're not a disciple yet when you're not somebody who surrendered your life to christ and and trust him and have gone all in you know gathering is an inconvenience scattering is out of the question you know what i mean and in our context too i think about all the catholic school systems in throughout the world for many parents well for almost every single one of those churches not even five percent of the people going to catholic schools even go to church yeah yeah and so the perception is well we go to a catholic school so therefore we're catholic and or and and it's like well you, you can be perhaps identifying yourself as a cultural Catholic and yes. not be a disciple. And the goal isn't to, that's not the goal. Yep, absolutely. And, and you can see that, Ron, in the Gospels. There were many people that listened to Jesus and watched and observed, but there were very few that gave up X, Y, Z and came into proximity rather than distance and really, mm. really stepped into obedience and faithfulness and relationship rather than just knowledge and story and uh, distance. So absolutely, we can know things about God, but just because we know things, it doesn't mm. mean they're actually in our heart, in our hands, embodied as, as truth. And that's part of the 21st century Western philosophy of education. We're trying to learn knowledge and pass exams. We've lost that sense of apprenticeship, working with our hands in skill, in aptitude, in ability. And so mm. knowledge is there and we can know things. So we know about God, but actually do we really know God in terms of relationship? And is God actually Lord of our life rather than just somewhere in our thoughts? You're absolutely right. There is a difference between being somebody that knows and being somebody that lives. So, Rich, I'm a leader. I'm a, I'm a pastor listening to this podcast today, and I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, you've just categorized things in ways I've never heard before. There's nothing that you've said that doesn't make sense to me. You know, and I look at the rich tradition of the Catholic Church. Boy, talk about being sent. Like, there was missionaries going into dangerous places, had the courage to stay and bring people into a relationship with Christ. You know, eventually they built buildings and stuff, and then we've seemed to have been tied to the buildings a bit. And again, we're not saying blow up the buildings, but it's actually, in some, many cases, defined how we see ourselves as ministers. Uh, we're no longer seeing ourselves going out. We're seeing ourselves just taking care of the people we have. So if somebody's yeah. listening to this today and they're thinking, my gosh, I think that's me. Mm. What do I do? Like, what would you say to that person? Like, where do they start? It's like, ah. Yeah. Um, I would say they start with prayer and reflection. So there has to be a personal journey in this. You have to sit in that repentance, that 
turning around, turning away from and turning towards what God may be saying. So Jesus talks about that the kingdom of God is at hand. It's close enough to touch, repent and believe the good news. First first messages in Mark 1, 14, 15. Mm-hmm. And so when you're having a kairos, a kingdom moment of there's a place of revelation or conviction for me, we need to sit in that pain rather than jump past it and sit in that conviction. So we need to stop, pray, allow that conviction to come, but we have to respond. So you have to stay long enough for it to land, but you have to move quick enough for it to become real. And so that response needs to become a personal response and in time, a communal response. So if you're a if you're a pastor listening to this, if you're a priest, a minister listening to this, it has to be a personal journey. It's not your community, your congregation, the laity and others that should do it. You have to go first and be one of the first to go there. So some of that response may be to read a book so that the six elements of MDNA are in the forgotten ways. Or you may want to double click and say, oh, APEST excites me. So there's a a book called 5Q. So some of it is reading to begin to rewire your mental map and the way you see the world and your imagination. And some of it is inactivity. So we act our way into a new way of thinking. And so that might be going on a training course. It might be trying and testing some of the exercises in one of the books. It may be jumping on sort of the mxplatform.com or movementleaderscollective.com, reaching out, making connection, grab a call with one of us and we can talk it through because there are lots of different coaching groups, learning communities, coaching and training pieces, but there's often a first or second step that needs to be made personally and with teams. So one of the pieces, if you're a a priest, a minister, a pastor, is who might the three or four people within your context be that you could start to talk this through with and begin to test this through with. So we're not trying to sort of get the whole of the mid majority and everyone in the congregation to sort of try Mm. something new that is a crazy idea you're looking for two, three, four that may be pioneering or innovative or open to change. Personal journey, small group of pioneers that slowly, like yeast in the dough, begin to transform the whole. So personal journey, engage two or three in your context, and then connect with us and others as guides to help you on the journey in terms of training, coaching, resourcing, to help you to do it. Mm. Let's go back to... I found that a pretty profound statement. I just want to go back to it because you talked about repentance, to sit in repentance to that leader who's thinking, this is me, you know, maybe, maybe my paradigm needs to shift because of what you're saying makes sense. And you're saying sit in repentance. Why bother? Like, why not just, you know, why not just realize that, hey, you know what, there's some other things I could do. I'm just going to shift my activities and just start doing different things because I want to get different results. I'm not going to I'm going to beat myself up. I'm not going to, you know, wallow in self-pity. I, I just need to get mm. busy. I just need to get busy. Yeah. Why repentance? I, I, yeah, I'd, I'd probably say two, two things to that, Ron. One is we in modern day have quite a narrow understanding of repentance. So repentance is I'm saying sorry for something I've done wrong. But but actually, metanoia, the repentance is more about a reorientation and allowing God's truth to become true in the way that you think and the way that you act. So it's a sort of turning away from your own 
reductionisms or frailty or blind spots and turning towards truth. So it's a turning around rather than just a saying sorry. So in one sense, we, we do need to embrace the, the sort of humility to say, I'm not Jesus. I'm not right every time. My world isn't the world. Everything I see isn't right. So we do need some of that, Lord, I'm sorry where I've missed this and I've narrowed this and I've reduced this. But we also need to receive that revelation and then with conviction, make make it become incarnation. So it's revelation, conviction, incarnation needs to become real. So one thing I would say is that repentance isn't just Jesus, I'm sorry, I've messed it up, but it's allow me to see as you see. What is your truth revealed to me that then I can step into a new world and a new way? The second thing I would say, Ron, is. In our training, we use a we use a down curve and an up curve image. So if you think of the valley of the shadow of death, you go down into the valley to get up to the greener pasture. And what we say is people want to jump the valley. They don't want a down curve and an up curve. They just want an upward to the right curve. We want the greener pasture. We want the resurrection without the valley of the shadow of death and without the, the sufferings. And we live in a quick fix I can click Amazon and it's on my doorstep by the end of the day. I can put something in the microwave. I can order life a hacks. pizza, that, that, life yeah. hack, blah, blah, blah. It's like, do this and let me guess, it costs me nothing. I have no pain and I have wonderful abs after 36 hours. You just go, <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure that's true, but the world is built. Marketing <laughs> is built on that. So we want the life hack. We want the outcome without the journey. We want the prize without the pain. But at, we would say, it's an unlearning and relearning journey. So what do we need to unlearn and then relearn? And that's the down curve. It's actually coming to a place where we've unlearned, relearned. Then we can have revealed to us a better and brighter, more Jesus-centric picture of a future, a hope, a direction. And then we can do the up curve, which is to build the way we think, our paradigm, the way that we're positioned, our platform, so our culture, resources, structure, training, language, and then our practices, our behaviors, our rituals, and our rhythm. So mm. what we think, the way we are, and we organize, and then the way that we behave. And so often what people do is to say, let's just plug in the app that will change the way we think and act and behave, and let's do the up curve without the down curve, or let's do the, the app without the operating system. So we're talking about repentance is shifting your OS, your operating system, not just plugging in a movement app that sort of suddenly makes everyone. And people do it as a discipleship app, a leadership app, an evangelism app, a da -da -da, whatever it is. But this is a bigger, deeper shift, which is for a pastor, for a community, for a church, for a business, for, a, for an organization, whatever it be. That's so beautiful. And, and that's what I see. I often say to pastors and bishops as we work together is that, you know, the person who's going to go through the biggest transformation in your entire organization is you. Yep. And, it, and it's something you can look forward to because Jesus loves you. <laughs> yeah, it's a gift. It's a painful it's a, gift. It's, it's a, a painful, painful gift. <laughs> but it is a gift. And it starts with that place yeah. of, I really like that, that place of repentance and stay there long enough so it lands. Uh, but then move quick enough so that it becomes an action. Yeah. That is so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, I did want to, I want to pick up on that. I just saw it. So yeah, <laughs> it, but people people often, again, it's you. they do one or the other. 
So they either stay in that place, but it becomes sort of self-degradation and it fatalism and like I've messed it up. It'll never change. I made mistakes that everything I've done so far is wrong and rubbish. Da, da, da. Or they move too quick and go, oh, yeah, yeah, it wasn't great, but I'm just going to keep going and I'm fine. So, so you get this kind of idealistic or fatalistic if we stay too far. But we need again. it's both and again is one of our sort of little phrases that we come back to a lot because people pick either or. I'm this or I'm this. I've got a side, I've got a camp, I've got a preference, but it, it is both and. It really is. There's a there's a staying in that repentance, but there's also allowing it to become action. Mm. Wow. And so what are you seeing in terms of this movement, this this movement that you've created with your team to bring about, you know, this unleashing people's gifts for the kingdom what are some stories that you can think of or a story that you can think of where you just get really excited this is why yeah. i do what i do this is what yeah why i get a well that we we describe ourselves as a movement of movements because within our movement who we're supporting that they are movemental mm -hmm. so there are there's a wonderful leader in belgium who has 50 something young adult discipleship groups started with a youth group three teenage boys who finished youth camp and said to their youth pastor, would you just keep going and disciple us? And he said, I will, as long as after a year, you do with others what I've done with yourself. So it started with three teenage boys and a youth pastor. Now 50 something groups across Belgium coming into Holland, male and female people becoming Christians, missional disciples empowered, and then micro churches in Tampa or Kansas that are seeing incredible breakthrough in terms of social justice and evangelism and city transformation all the way through to larger organizations. So city to city or eco Presbyterian denominations and key organizations on the landscape that are being renewed from the inside out. So it's a whole mix that it's a mosaic of different forms of ecclesia, but the same heart for movemental. So some discovery Bible studies and disciples movements, some micro church, some church planting, some training, some denominations, some networks. So a whole heap of people. But across what I love is that there are people taking risks. There are people really doing new things. And their heart is not to be a celebrity or the hero, but to be experimenting that others could follow. They sort of you draw the maps by looking backwards of where you've come so that others can flow and follow. So there's some wonderful things. I think what I'm seeing is there's challenges around generations. So the, the generational transitions, there's challenges around digital. How do we live in an online uh, digital world? There's challenges around gender, race, ethnicity, some of these places of real tension in the world. But also there is incredible hope because there is right now covid has stress tested the system ai chat gpt different generations lots of different things so there's lots of challenge right now and stress but the church has always responded in persecution and at the margins it's it's a dynamic innovative creative prophetic people and so what we're seeing are these little pockets of breakthrough and first fruits and some are really multiplying to a great harvest but there's some really unique and dynamic expressions of church and faith driven entrepreneurship as well. So social action and spiritual change. 
So that's the community that we we have. And they they are then leaders that are saying anything that I've learned, I want to pass on to others. And mm-hmm. so how how could a a lay Catholic start to build a faith driven business or a, a community pro- action project? There's lots of different ways that or there's lots of Protestants planting churches, starting businesses, 501c3s as well as churches really empowering their people in missional discipleship, evangelism and leadership. So, yeah, there's there's a lot of good going on in the midst of a lot of challenge, I would say, Ron. So, Rich, one of the things that I find interesting about what you just said, and it's just changed my paradigm, even of the conversation and, and who this is really helpful for, because it, it just expanded exponentially for me, basically because of that youth pastor that you talked about you know so many catholic churches have people hired and how to support them is tricky you know because a lot of people don't know how to support these people in ways that can create a movement so even if you hire somebody that has that heart for it the support isn't always there to encourage them to be amazing even though they have the capacity even though they have the faith even though they have the desire and so what i'm hearing is man connect with rich connect with this movement if you've got somebody great and you know full well you don't have the capacity to support them don't let them go unsupported it doesn't mean you have to be the direct support let's plug them in and let's pray for them and let's let this movement uh really be a, a resource for this person like because that's what I see in, in our context all the time is these people with great faith great hope great capacity get burnt out and and yep. and fade away because the system and the structures in place right now in many of the churches and dioceses aren't good at supporting yet. Oh, absolutely. And, and partly it is a thankless task to be mm-hmm. a, a priest, a pastor, a leader, because you're expected to be an A-grade performer at 19 different roles Amen. and have the capacity to fulfill them. It's just unrealistic. And so yeah. it's You've got to be an incredible strategist, communicator, coach, organizer, financial accountant, the, 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 the list goes on. And so what we've done is to say, well, if we can boost your arm, we can strengthen your work by supporting others, resources, training, support, not to pull them away, but to make them more effective in context. You're absolutely right, Ron. So for a pastor, a priest, uh, a vicar, we have training for them for a youth pastor, for worship, lots of different roles within the church. There's training there, but also for for the lay leaders, the volunteer leaders. So whether that's to lead a small group, plant a microchurch, a missional community, set up a a missional endeavor, an entrepreneurial endeavor. Tell me a little bit more about Korea. I know we're coming to an end, but just, just piqued my interest. Yeah. So if you think of the training that we have for pastors, ministers, we've also got training for Christian entrepreneurs. So people that have the desire either to set up a faith driven business or a a charity, a 501c3 or a social enterprise. So really wanting to see spiritual and social impact in their neighborhoods through business, through ministry, whatever it be. So there's lots of different ways we can train. That's one of them. So Creo would be one. 
creoventures.co. We've got the mxplatform.com, which is where you can get training to the, really start a microchurch, a missional community, help equip a leader. And then the movementleaderscollective.com is for those leaders or leaders of leaders that are leading a denomination, a network that are wanting to make this shift. So lots of different places where people are doing life ministry. We've got those options. So creoventures.co www.themxplatform.com and then movementleaderscollective.com, depending on where you are in the world and what your ministry role is. Rich, that's so helpful. I'd love to bring you back and, and crack open Creo a bit more, and I'll tell you why, because I have so many friends, I have so many people that I've connected with the different parts of the world that have a heart for business, that have a heart for Christ, particularly as as they, you know, there's people that have come to faith in new ways and it's like that impacts their business, but then they're not quite sure how. And I'd love to talk to you about that some more to give them some, some insights, advice, and, and maybe a little bit of, of uh, guidance in terms of where they're at, what they're thinking and how maybe Creo could help. Love to be able to do that, Ron. Definitely. We'll do it again. Rich, thank you so much for making the time to be with us today. There's been so many pieces. I'm going to go back and listen to this podcast five times myself because there's so many things I want to unpack more. And what a great conversation to have with some other leaders in your area of, in your parish or what have you, because this is uh, just great stuff. So thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Loved it. So thank you for listening and, and tuning in. Uh, please Subscribe to the YouTube channel if you're on YouTube. Give a thumbs up. Uh, if you're listening to this on Spotify or Apple Music, just go and rate the podcast. It helps all the algorithms. We really appreciate everything you do to make your church and your business better. God bless you, and we will see you next time. I want to encourage you, as you lead this week, be faithful to God and generous to others. See you next time, and remember, if you're still breathing, you are powered for impact.